during the week, if you ever want to pray, just call the office and see if you can get in for a couple hours. <laughs> this is really a place where God resides, and um, I, I love that. So uh, on my lock-up days, we have lock-up days for staff. Um, this is where I end up. I do the rest of the building first, and I end up here. So it was about a week and a half ago. I was doing some lock-up and ended up in here. I like to leave the lights off see the exit signs, that's about all I need <laughs> to pray. And so I was, I was sitting here, I was actually on the floor, sitting on the floor praying. And I'd been interceding about some things that the Lord had been um, doing and happening. And it's like, Lord, what are some answers? And, and I just feel like he just at that point lifted some things off of my shoulders as I cast them <laughs> on, on him. And, um, and I said, oh, Lord, and one more thing. Yeah, you know, I've been... I've been asked to share in Mother's Day, so I really want your word. I could talk, but I want you to talk, so if you could just let me know what I'm supposed to say. And he said, okay, get ready right now. <laughs> so I pulled out my phone, got to the notes section, I went, okay. And it just started flying, like, we'll go. And then I'd, it hit a certain section that I realized I would have to go back and do some contextual research to make sure I had things right. So I would just put a line, da 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 da, da and then keep going because he didn't stop. <laughs> and it was 10:30 when he stopped. And I went, "Whoa!" I went back and scrolled back. This is long. Woo, God, you you want to say some stuff? So we're going to jump in, and um, hopefully we can grab what he wanted to say, okay? Um, that being in, said, uh, kind of titled this, What to Do with the Unexpecteds of Life. You know, God still is working even in the unexpected things that come our way that we sometimes feel bombarded by. Sometimes it's like constant unexpected. Are you kidding me again? You know, and other times, you know, things are working pretty smooth and you've got the plan. But God is always working. He's always working. We just sang it this morning. Even in the unexpected, God, it, God is in that. So a question for the moms. How much of the stuff that you do has been spent doing things that you didn't expect to ever do? There, there's no number high enough, right? <laughs> um, and I know this is primarily for, for women today, but, but dads, how about you? You know, I mean... God's speaking to us all today. So how about, how about you? How many times have you had to take that unexpected double trip back to the baseball field because your son or daughter left that brand new glove on the team bench right along the third, you know, third base side? And you're like, again, I mean, my schedule's so tight. I would just had enough time to drop you off and pick you up. So we're adjusting schedules, um, trips, guests, whatever the case may be. Speaking of guests, if you don't have any kids, that call that comes from your cousin, right? And, and their family. They're headed back to Iowa, since so many people here go to Iowa. <laughs> 
they're headed back to Iowa from the East Coast, and they just can't make it anymore, and it's getting late, and they go, hey, can we just crash at your place, you know, and we'll get up, we'll leave early in the morning. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. You hang up, and you're like, okay, vacuum, um, food. Okay, I got to feed them some food, purchase the food, prepare the food, forget prepare the food, purchase the food. Yeah, purchase the food. I got to get this done in two hours. And you're just really unexpected guests, unexpected timing, schedules, and all that kind of stuff. So these might be smaller aspects of unexpecteds, but I just want to encourage us today as we walk through this that, that God is definitely a part of bigger unexpecteds, smaller unexpecteds, all of the unexpecteds that come our way. So what we're going to do, we are going to follow the unexpectance of a mom through scripture. And uh, I'm going to provide the setting for you. And then we're going to look at six scenes of unexpecteds that this, this mom walks through. So here's the setting. Are we ready? <laughs> we're in Nazareth of Galilee, and we're at Mary's home. She's betrothed. Today we would say engaged to Joseph, the descendant of David, from the tribe of Judah. It's pretty common that there was about a year between the betrothal and the actual wedding. But betrothal is a little more, in their culture, it's a lot more intense and serious than probably in our culture now when we talk about engagement. We saying, yeah, I'm engaged and promised to them, but many times, I shouldn't say many, Sometimes you hear, well, yeah, we broke the engagement, you know, we found out we're not quite that compatible on this. And so it's sometimes a little casual. Not the case in this particular culture. When you are betrothed, you are pledged. And to everybody in the small town of Nazareth, they knew Joseph, they knew the carpenter, they knew the family, everybody knew each other. And Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Some researchers say Joseph was probably between 28 and 34. One person said 90, and I went, ah. Okay, that's just that one, so we'll let that one go. <laughs> and some others said he was probably a late teen. It was very common for girls to get married in their early teens, so she could have been anywhere from 13, 12 to like 18. But for our sake, let's just say about 14. She's probably about 14. Um, so... You say, well, that's a little young. For our culture, it is. It wasn't for theirs. By 14 years old, 15 years old, they have a pretty good idea of how to run the house. They've been probably helping with their siblings, doing that sort of thing, and they know what the responsibilities are going to be. And when they're betrothed, just like we do here, they stay in their home, their family home, until the actual wedding. But they are pledged, they are promised, and according to everyone else, they're basically married, but they're not yet hit that wedding ceremony. So this is the setting. Mary's at home. And then scene one. Luke 1 tells us that God sent Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, to Nazareth, it's very specific, a town in Galilee, to visit a virgin named Mary, pledged to be Joseph, to be married to Joseph. And Mary's... So we're talking unexpected. <laughs> unexpected. Unexpected visit from an unexpected source. An angel. 
bringing unexpected news of an unexpected baby coming in at an unexpected time. That's a lot of unexpected. So Gabriel and Mary have this, this dialogue that happens. Her first response isn't talking. Scripture is very clear. It says that she was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Yeah? <laughs> Say what? An angel? Okay. Uh, so her response then, first she says, first he says this. I'm going to give you a synopsis here. You're highly favored, says it twice. Don't be afraid. You have a child. It'll be a boy. The name was even given. Call him Jesus. Then there's a description of who he'll grow up to be. He's going to be great. He'll be called the son of the most high. He'll sit on the throne of his father David. He'll reign and be over all the house of Jacob. And his kingdom will never end. Uh, okay, now here's her response. Um, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And then he goes on, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born to you and will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own old age and she was said to be barren in her mother's, uh, in, in her, and she's now in her sixth month pregnant. I love this statement. Then he says, for nothing is impossible with God. Hallelujah. Mm. Amen. Nothing is impossible for God. Amen. Now she speaks. I'm the Lord's servant. She said, may it be unto me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Okay, I don't know how long that took, but that changed her life. A lot of unexpecteds there. How did she respond? She opens her heart to the word of the Lord that had come through this unexpected messenger. She trusts, she believes, and she moves forward. What do you say she moved forward? Well, the next section is she headed to Elizabeth. I got to see this. Okay, we'll just, we'll just check it out. And it's interesting because Scripture tells us that even before Elizabeth saw Mary, it says that she heard her voice and the baby that she was pregnant with, six months, leaped within her. Whew. And the response is, in Scripture it says that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and in a loud voice she proclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child that you bear. Mary's like, okay, confirmation. Okay. Whew. All right, here we go. What's another response of Mary's? Verse 46, she sings after that. She kind of writes her own song. Just a praise to the Lord. My soul praises the Lord and my spirit rejoices. And God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of the servant. From now all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things. And it goes on for several more verses. Declaring the greatness of God. This is God. 
my relative Elizabeth is six months pregnant. That's a God thing. The angel came to me. That's this, okay, uh, I'll just, I'll flow with this. Scene two. Jesus has been born. So now she's in Mama Mary mode. And this little guy is so sweet. Ooh, she's loving on this baby. He's, he's just growing up and he's so obedient and he's loving and everything is new discoveries for this little baby for Jesus as well as for Mama Mary and Daddy Joe. Everybody's, woo, unexpected joy. Unexpected joy. This is great. We're loving this. Luke 2.40 says, And the child grew and became strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So Mary and Joseph are just kind of living in this joy. We read in Scripture at different points that um, more children were born once Mary and Joseph uh, were married. Um, more children were born. Four uh, sons were mentioned, have been mentioned, and then it says the sisters of Jesus. There's not a number given and not any, any names, but it's plural. So we're saying we're talking about at least six more kids, and then with Jesus, at least seven, Jesus being the oldest. Not sure what the spacing is, but you know, Jesus has some opportunities to <laughs> grow up and take take care of his kids as they his siblings as they start growing up. He's got some responsibility. So here we are, scene three. Every year, this growing family took a trip to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Passover. This celebration generally lasted about eight days. In this particular year, Jesus is about 12 years old, so he definitely has siblings that he's probably corralled and helped during this trip. So they get to Jerusalem. They're there for eight days. The feast comes to a close, and Mary and Joseph and the kids, the extended family, since a lot of people travel together from Nazareth to Jerusalem, they're all traveling together back. So you've got a caravan, basically, going on here. And the scripture tells us that about a day into the trip is when Mary notices that, Joseph, uh, that Jesus hasn't tracked them down for any food, for lunch, or <laughs> supper, or, or dinner, or whatever we're going to call it. He hasn't been around. So it's like, wait, brothers, sisters, um, have you seen Jesus? I know. Sorry. Playing. Excuse me. Since they were all townspeople, checking it out. Have you seen Jesus? You know, remember about this tall, 12? No, I haven't seen him. Joseph, have you? Uh, no. No, I haven't. Where is that boy? Okay, nobody's seen him. Lost son. This is an unexpected, devastating loss. Can't find him anywhere. Didn't expect this to happen. Hasn't happened all these years. We've been doing this every year. <sighs> what should we do? Panic starts to set in. What's the plan? Mary's mind is flying a mile a minute, and if only she could fly that fast to get back to Jerusalem, she would do it to start looking for him. So at this particular scenario, it's building. What is the plan? I don't know. 
There's grief, there's confusion, there's sorrow, there's some shame, and there's probably some blame. It's my fault. I know it's my fault. Stop, stop. There's fear. What if, what if we can't find him? How about for us here? What at this point is beyond your capacity to restore something that's been lost or hurt or broken, and you, you can't fix it, and I know you can't. That's when we have to surrender it. I just say, oh, God, <laughs> uh, I have to give this to you. That's when you start singing, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. We need him so desperately. But God still knows, and he's still at work in unexpected losses. He's still moving. So Mary and Joseph have made the plan now. We're going to head back to Jerusalem. So it's been two days now, because remember, they were a day into the trip going, and now they have to head back, and that's another day. So two days. They finally get to Jerusalem, and Scripture tells us that they searched for three days. So we're talking five days, and there's no word about the whereabouts of Jesus. If you're a parent in here, this is not good news. This feels, this is a definite Unexpected, devastating loss. What is going on, God? I don't get it. So after spending three days in search, they find him at the temple. And they're kind of in the back watching, and they see him listening intently to the teachers in the temple. And then every once in a while, he would ask a question, and it was like this deep, profound question. And everybody that was in the temple in this conversation, was, they were astounded at the questions of this 12-year-old. Are you kidding? What? And Mary and Joseph hear it, and they're kind of like, oh, yeah, that is kind of deep. Um, did you talk to him about that? No, I didn't talk to him about that. Uh, I don't know. Finally, you know, the, the meeting kind of disperses, and they get to him, and they go, what are you doing here? Why have you done this to us? Why would they say something like that? That's what Scripture says. It's because of a disrespect thing. It's like, you, you're disobeying us. You're disrespecting us. Why did you treat us like this? And then he says, why were you looking for me? Wouldn't you know that I'm about my father's business? Mary and Joseph didn't have that aha moment at that particular moment because they had all this emotional combination mix. I am so happy to see you. I'm so angry with you. You're so smart. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, oh, oh. So it's like this emotional up and down. So they, they didn't quite have that aha moment yet. What about us? We're faced with confusion questions, and we respond. We're functioning on our, our own understanding in the moment. We're making assumptions. We're just flying, boom. 
and we have to stop and take a reality check. The king is in control. A humility check. An ownership check. Mary and Joseph had that aha moment a little bit later down the road. He's actually not ours. <laughs> He's been loaned to us for a time. He is God's son. How about our ownership check? Our children are not our own. They've been loaned to us for a time. They belong to the Father in heaven. And if you don't have children, all your family members are not your own. Ownership check, they belong to the King of Kings. So we have to readjust our thinking once again, and we have to make it a priority to continually pray for our children, for our family members, as we fully surrender them to the lover of their souls, and then to Jesus, the lover of our souls. We surrender ourselves. So back to the scene. They're, they're wrapping it up in Jerusalem, and they're heading back. And Jesus, Jesus went down to Nazareth with them, and Scripture says that he was obedient to them. Again, Mary's response is written down. His mother, it says, treasured. Other translations say pondered. All of these things in her heart. It's all. Hmm. Thinking way back even. Scripture says that Jesus continued to grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So this town is recognizing Jesus as growing up to be an incredible man. They don't quite know, they don't know the full story of what happened, but yeah, he's growing in favor with everybody. The town is recognizing him. Scene four. Mother Mary is older now. Jesus is older now. He's about 30 years old. And the whole family is gathered with friends and extended family at a wedding celebration in Cana. They knew how to celebrate. Things seem to last about a week all the time for, the, for that culture. So the feast and the wedding was really about a week. And so it's like, family vacay. Yeah, let's do this. This is going to be fun. All right. But there was just one problem that the planners quite didn't get right. Uh, I don't know if it was they forgot to have enough grapes stomped. <laughs> to produce the wine for this marvel uh, celebration, or maybe more people showed up than they expected. Not quite sure why they ran out of wine, but they ran out of wine. And so you know the story that Mary comes to Jesus and says, we've run out of wine. Why would she do that? It's interesting. Some scholars suggest that since Mary is the one that approached Jesus and told him that they were out of wine, that she may have been a part of the organization process of the wedding, and she's feeling somewhat responsible. First of all, to run out of wine would imply a thoughtless or impoverished host. It would bring dishonor to the family name if you ran out of wine. If she is part of the organizational group, hmm, she knows Jesus can do something about this, right? 
She remembers the angel's declaration about her son. She hadn't forgotten that unexpected message from the unexpected messenger. There's something different about him. He's going to be great. Okay, so she gathers all the servants together and says, okay, um, what I need you to do, listen to this guy. Whatever he says to you, just do it. So Jesus says, okay, guys, this is what we're going to do. I want you to bring those, I think it was like six jugs. I don't know, it was five or six jugs, big, big old jug. Uh, and we're going to fill those with water. What? She said, just. So they fill it with water. And then he said, and then I want you to take a cup, and I want you to take it to the master of the banquet to test it. Master of the banquet had to always test the wine to see if it was meeting the standards that were necessary for the celebration. So they do that. And of course, you know the story, the master of the banquet tastes and goes, whoa, good stuff. And it's scripture says that he went and he got the bridegroom and he said, okay, what is going on here? I mean, this is out of the ordinary. Normally you serve the best stuff right up when people are still kind of sane. You know, and it's tasting really good. And then they got a little, they kind of get a little, little bit, and then you'd give them all the bad stuff because they don't know the difference. What are you doing? You saved the best, but this is awesome. This is really great. <laughs> well, you can imagine, word got around. Jesus turned water into wine. It's his first recorded miracle. I want to remind all of us today and everybody online that uh, we know who he is. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Yeah. So I want to remind us that whatever he says to you, do it. Just do it. Partner with the plans of the king. He knows all things and he has our good and his glory in mind. So partner with the plan of the king. Whatever he says to you, just do it. Scene five. After that wedding celebration and that first miracle was performed, Mary followed along with the crowds as she continued to watch Jesus perform miracle after miracle, after miracle, she saw lives changed. She saw hope come alive in people's hearts, and it was reflected in their eyes as they followed Jesus wherever he went. Crowds just continued to grow larger and larger day after day. It's just getting to be huge. People are recognizing not only is there something special, but he's anointed with something. Lives are changed. My life was changed. Testimonies are taking place. you got to come with me. Go see him. It's incredible. It's particularly exciting being a part of that massive crowd coming to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover week. People were shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Huh. Mary's in the background can imagine. Yes. Finally they get it. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. <sighs> yeah. 
They're starting to get it. This is good. Wow. Hmm. She smiles. How about us? We watch our kids grow up, have their struggles in and out and whatever, but then they start to settle down and we just smile and say, they're beginning to step into their purpose. This is good. God's doing good things. Thank you, Lord. They're beginning to recognize it. It's awesome. Scene six. A few days later, Jesus and his disciples were praying in the beautiful Garden of Gethsemane on the hill. And uh, I don't know if you've been able to be there or not, but it is really, it is a beautiful garden. Chaos ensues as soldiers carrying flaming torches marched into the garden where Jesus was. Then Judas, who had claimed to be a friend of Jesus, pointed out which one, which man was Jesus with a kiss of betrayal on his cheek. The soldiers grabbed Jesus, took him away, and a trial was planned. On that day, that trial, it was crazy how many people you could see that seemed to be at that same cheering celebration. And now they're saying and shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus was quiet. He was whipped until the skin on his back was falling off and pieces and blood was streaming down his back. They mocked him, calling him king of the Jews. They put a crown of thorns on his head that cut down deep into his brow and blood flowed down his face. And up to the side, tears like rivers were flowing down his mom's face, soaking her garments. The heart of this mother was not just broken, but it was crushed. Like a man just collapsed on the ground weeping. I can imagine inside he's like, I don't remember this part of the message. That wasn't in here. This is completely unexpected. Just days ago, I was feeling like this was going to be fulfilled. And now, what is going on? She's completely undone. This is the most devastating, unexpected she's encountered. As she watches eventually her son die. And everybody's making fun. Unexpected. How about for us? Life hits really hard sometimes. We collapse in tears and we surrender everything to the one who knows all once again, I don't, I don't get it, God. I do not understand. But I do know you. And what I know about you is that you work all things and you weave all things together. Even if it looks like I'm looking at it from upside down, I don't even know, but you somehow weave all things together for good to produce something that far exceeds what I could have ever imagined. I don't know about you, but I, I have a pretty good imagination. 
But when the scripture says that he goes beyond what you can ask or think, that's beyond, beyond us. So what do I do? I cast all my cares. What do you do? We cast all our cares on him. We say, I trust you. Even when I see nothing that makes sense to me at all, I will trust you. I will trust you, Lord. Three days later, victory! Yes! Jesus was triumphant over sin. He was triumphant over the grave, over the enemy of your soul and my soul, and any and all of the enemy's tactics against us. We will stand and see the salvation of our God in every situation. This is the truth. Moms, dads, adults, teenagers, anybody else watching, you will encounter unexpected timing, unexpected joys, wonderful surprises, and we will have our times of reality checks, times of humility checks, ownership checks, and we will have our aha moments in God and surrender and saying, whatever you're going to say, whatever you want to say to me, Jesus, I am doing it. I will follow you. I will follow you. And he will prove himself over and over and over. Even when these broken, crushing times hit us so hard and we cry out to him, he will hear us and he will answer us in his omniscient, that's all-knowing way. I don't know much. The older I get, the more I realize I don't know. <laughs> you know, all young people think they know everything, right? And then you get old and you kind of go, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. That's why we rely on the omniscient one. He knows all things. He knows all things, and he does it in his timing. Victory will come. Announcement, victory has come. He's alive. He's risen. And we choose to follow him. I don't know if you've identified with any, some, or maybe all of these life processes that we've seen exhibited in, in Mary's experiences. But we need to remember and know this, that God is with us every day, in every way, and he already knows you perfectly. He doesn't need to get a memo about you. He already knows about you. So when you run to him, sometimes it's even hard to talk, right? It's like, got no words. And he goes, I know. I know. He knows us perfectly. We can cast everything on him and then take up the promise that he said he would because he is truth, like we said at the beginning. He is truth. And everything that he said, he will do. He turns unexpected sorrows, pain, hurt, disappointment into expected victory in him. That's the turnaround. It's the finished work of Christ that we live in. We have the privilege to live in. Isaiah 61 says, he turns our mourning into dancing again, our sorrow into joy. And in New Testament, he works all things together for good to them that love him and are called according to his purposes. And we remember <laughs> the last part of that message of Gabriel to Mary. Nothing is impossible 
for God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me this morning as we close and we remember how awesome he is and that he can handle any and all unexpected things in life. Doesn't matter how devastating they are, how untimely they are. Obviously, they're untimely if they're unexpected. We can't plan our, it says, you know, scripture says actually man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his path. So we think our plans are all right, and then it gets all jostled. (laughs) And he said, okay, you need to surrender that plan so I can actually direct, be the overseer. He's so good. He loves us so much. Praise the Lord. Um, This is something I jotted down, and I really feel like the Lord, well, he kind of gave this whole thing, but he, he says here, Surrender it, and I'll transform it. Surrender it, and I'll transform it. Lord, I thank you (laughs) of, of the truth that you are, and your word is truth. And Lord, we just, we're gonna act on that. We're gonna act on the words you said, on who you are. We just surrender this morning everything to you, whether it's understood or not understood at this moment. And we thank you and we believe in your transforming power. Glorify yourself in all of us today. Glorify yourself. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Because even when I don't see it, you're working. And even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop, you never stop, or even when. And even when I don't see it, you're working. And even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop. Sing it out. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working.
Thank you, Jesus. God, you are so good. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you do what you say, that you go beyond what we can ask or think. And so, Father, I pray that we would limit ourselves because you've called us to move forward. And just as Mary took those steps of faith, I am moving, I am believing, and I am just going to go see the fulfillment of the Lord. I thank you, God, that you're going to be revealing the fulfillment of your word to this church. I thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Jesus. We trust you. We love you, God. We bless you, Jesus. Amen. God is good.